Thank you for listening to Airport Church's podcast. To find out more information about Airport Church, visit churchattheairport.com. So we've been we've been doing this Psalm 68 thing because I, I really believe that Psalm 68 is a key to unlocking in time understanding. And so I, w- I want to keep going on Psalm 68. This is part two in a sermon series on Psalm 68. And um, I want to pick apart a couple more verses, but I'll just backtrack for just a, a few minutes. Um, Psalm 68 is the march from Sinai to Zion. And I want to highlight verse... Uh, Verses 8 through 10, but we're not going to get there yet. Um, verse 1 is, is, very, is very pivotal because verse 1 is uh, a decree that would go out from Moses. I don't know if he would actually say this verse. Back up one slide. Um, I don't know if he would actually do this or if he would have someone that would decree this for him. But uh, there would be s- him or someone would would actually decree, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered, and let those who hate him flee before him. And this would go out before the cloud would depart from the camp. That way everyone would know that the Lord was on the move. And so they would pack up the tent. They would pack all of the instruments up, and everyone could pack up their own individual tents, and they could... They could be on the move. And also, it would, put the, it would put the enemies on notice what was about to take place. God was on the move. And remember, there's a man in the cloud. Really understand that. Is that the first time you've heard that? How many of you would say, that's the first time I've really, as we're going through this teaching, that's the first time I've really understood this. There was a man in that pillar of cloud. We're talking about um, a a theophany. That's what you call that. We're talking about an appearance of Jesus before he came through Mary. He appeared to Abraham. He appeared to Jacob. You can can find him through other, uh, in other places through the scriptures where he appeared he he came and he stood the, the the bible says that he came the word came and stood next to samuel you found one andy found one what did you find he appeared to nebuchadnezzar in the fire he was the fourth man in the fire yes he came in the cave he did. What cave was that? Where was that cave? Miss Judy? It was at Mount Sinai. It's at the same mountain that we're talking about. Where did, when, when Saul became Paul, where did Paul go? He went to the, the Arabian Desert, which was where? Mount Sinai. Let all this come together for you. This is so rich. 
This is very important. This mountain has great value. It's very, very important. Because I believe as we're studying this, we're going to find out that when Jesus returns, the first place he goes is Mount Sinai, and he marches to Jerusalem. He goes to Sinai, and he marches to Jerusalem. Now, I'm not going to get lost into that right now. Okay? I, I, want, to, I, I want to point out some, some elements of this that are really coming alive to me as I've been studying Psalm 68. There's, there's, there's several running threads that I've been chasing in this, but last week we talked we talked about verses three and four, and 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 just in my paraphrase here, verse verses three and four are the jubilant, prophetic, musical, dancing, rejoicing, and the building up of a highway for the one who rides on the clouds. As he delivers those who are oppressed and all who need a deliverer and who call upon his name. And his great fame will be spread out over all the earth. Now it's so ironic that as they're declaring his praise, they're, in the Hebrew it, it literally says they're building up a highway. They're extolling his name. To extol in the Hebrew means to build up a highway. In the concordance it uses the word turnpike. Now, why should we build up a highway for one who rides on the clouds? Why does he need a highway? Well, he doesn't. But those who come and bring gifts to him in the future, they will need a highway in order to get to him. That's why the highway is there. And it's very interesting because there is a place from Edom, which is modern-day Jordan, that goes from Jordan into Jerusalem that today is called the King's Highway. <laughs> that will be the route that Jesus takes when he returns that is part of the route from Sinai in to Jerusalem. There's another little book that's rocking me right now that we don't pay any attention to, but it's the book of Obadiah. And Obadiah, being such a short little book, it actually gives all of these places and these names that come from Jordan into Jerusalem, and they're names that are pesky little bullies that are currently picking on and berating Israel at this time that are soon to be turned over to Israel in the future. It's amazing. Jubilant, prophetic, musical dancing. In fact, a lot of that jubilant, prophetic, musical dancing that was taking place during this march was led by women. 
the gospel is very female-driven. Whoever told Beth Moore to go home is so incredibly inaccurate when it comes to the gospel. It gets worse. I'm going to prove it to you in these verses coming up. But it's, in, it's, in, it's actually in the next sermon. It's not here. <laughs> Better, not worse. Look at verses 5, 6, and 7, though. A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. When I think of a father of the fatherless, Miss Judy, do you know where my mind immediately goes? It goes to Malachi chapter 4. That in the last day, I will send the spirit of Elijah. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And the children to their fathers. Ha! <laughs> That's powerful. God sets the solitary in families. Does God want you to be alone? No. Does it mean he's called you to be alone at times? Maybe. Doesn't it feel good to be alone sometimes? Absolutely. Isn't it great, Phoenix, to be able to get rid of your kids for a few days? Aren't you looking forward to that? Yes, yes. Hallelujah. We bless you on that weekend in Jesus' name. And Leanne. Yeah, it won't do any good for you to be without your woman. <laughs> he brings out those who are bound into what? Into prosperity. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Notice how those go together. Notice that God does not leave the wicked unpunished. That's not the kind of God that we serve. I really want you to let that, let that hit in your heart. If God leaves the wicked unpunished, we do not serve a just God. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. What have we been singing about all morning? Let's move into this. Oh, God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, when you went out before your people. He was in the cloud. Moving out before his people. Leading them. He was literally in the cloud moving before his people. 
When you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook. The heavens also dropped rain at the presence of God. Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. You, O God, sent a plentiful rain whereby you confirmed your inheritance when it was weary. Now let's break these apart because this is good stuff. The Passion Translation reads it, verses 8 through 10, The earth shook beneath your feet. The heavens filled with clouds before the presence of the God of Sinai. The sacred mountain shook at the sight of the face of Israel's God. You, O God, sent the reviving rain upon your weary inheritance, showers of blessing, to refresh it. So there your people settled, and in your kindness... You provided the poor with abundance. Isn't that incredible? Verse 8 says, The heavens also dropped rain at the presence of God. Now I want to point out what dropped rain is really talking about here. Because just to read over this, you're really missing what this is talking about. The word dropped in the Hebrew, it means... To prophesy. Really, really let this speak to you. It's the Hebrew word for prophesy. So, in essence, the heavens were prophesying to the people of the goodness of God. Here they are in the desert. And it's raining. The heavens are affirming to God's inheritance, you are mine, and I will make the heavens declare that you are mine. I will make the heavens affirm to you, you are my inheritance. (laughs) Does that not speak to your heart? That God can cause the heavens to declare his handiwork to people? That God can cause the heavens to speak? The heavens are saying something to individual people. They're prophesying. They're preaching. The clouds are proclaiming. The goodness of God to weary people. Now, these people didn't come out empty-handed. Let's remember this. What did they come out with? What's that? Help me. The riches of Egypt. Which is really ironic because if you read the prophetic scriptures, you find out that in the day that the day of the Lord, you, you find out that exactly this same nation, Egypt, are going to send envoys to Jerusalem to give gifts. Not only that, they're going to do it willingly, but it says, there's passages that say that even the rebellious are going to be forced to give gifts to Zion in that day. Man, I feel the Holy Spirit. 
It's going to be a repeat. It's going to be amazing. They didn't come out empty-handed, but just because you have something in your hand doesn't mean that 400 years of slavery hasn't made you weary. And God here in his, in his abundant love is sharing his kindness with them. Do you see that? The Hebrew word, remember I, I shared this, that the Hebrew word for plentiful is copious amounts. Now, I don't think that he's giving them a deluge because he didn't want to sweep them back into the Red Sea, but he's giving them copious amounts of rain in the desert. So much so that for a period of time, they settled at the base of the mountain. They settled here. The earth shook beneath your feet. The heavens filled with clouds before the presence of the God of Sinai. The sacred mountain shook at the sight of the face of Israel's God. You, O oh God, sent the reviving rain upon your weary inheritance, showers of blessing to refresh it. So there your people settled, and in your kindness you provided the poor with abundance. So I want you to go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 3. So one of the things that the Lord has done in this house is that he has blessed this house with a prophetic mantle that's been here since we were birthed. Right? It's been very evident. One of the things that he has taught me, he's helped me to understand this through the years of growing up in the prophetic, is that the way that the body ministers in the prophetic is out of 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 3. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. When the body ministers by the spirit of prophecy... When you, as a member of the body, operate in the prophetic gifting, as it's identified right there, you don't get in trouble. Right? If you stick to the gift of prophecy by operating in it right there, you will always do what the function of prophecy by the Spirit of the Lord is enabling and wanting you to do. Anytime you operate outside of those three words, though, you have the possibility of stepping into areas where the Lord may not want you to go. Does that make sense? 
I believe the Lord has a mantle and has had a mantle of a prophecy on this house whereby he sends people in, he lands them here for a season, and then they take off and he allows us to do exactly what is written right there. I've broken these three words down so that we can get a, 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 a more meaty understanding of what this is. Edification, it means to build up as in the building up of a house. Now, when you dig a little bit deeper into that word, all of the houses that were built when this term existed were flat-roofed homes. They were oriental homes. So really, you would have to take that that roof off and restructure it and build it up again. Does that make sense? Think about that process. Sometimes that process is a little bit scary, but it's done with great care by the Spirit of the Lord. That next word is exhortation. And this is actually the only one that I listed the word in the Greek because it's a very special word. It's paraclesis. It's where we get the word Holy Spirit from, paraclete. It's also where we get our word paramedic. Right? The word exhortation is a calling up and imploring that provides comfort. When you implore, you can implore someone that's, that's a nagging too. Do not laugh. Everyone who laughs automatically thinks a feminine imploring, my wife included. I didn't mean it that way. Because you can also think of a horse as a nag, can't you? Tony, help me. (laughs) Pull me out of this ditch, brother. (laughs) Frank, help me. (laughs) (laughs) This imploring... Is one that provides comfort. When I read this, I automatically thought of the word conviction as it's meant biblically because the, the word conviction that comes with the Holy Spirit is a word that draws us to the Lord. But if you're convicted in a court of law, that's a negative connotation. But if the Holy Spirit convicts you, He draws you to God. God draws you to Him while at the same time making you understand you shouldn't have done that. And He's really the only one that can do that. If I get on to my son, I make him feel bad for what he did, and he doesn't necessarily want to come close to me, right? 
Make sense? But if God gets on to us for doing something, he has this, he has, he's the only one that has this ability that at the same time of him getting on to us, he also makes us want to come close to him. He's the only one with the nature that can do that. Now, we can do that with people, but it's him and his nature on the inside of us. Do you know what that is when that happens? That is the spirit of prophecy that's working on the inside of you. Have you ever thought about it like that? Marcus, if you get onto your child, and I'm using that phrase for lack of a better term, but if you're disciplining your child and you discipline them in the right way, you're going to exhort them. That's the word that's being used here. If you exhort them, you're going to do it in a way that will draw them to you. That's the spirit of prophecy. That's the testimony of Jesus. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So the character of Jesus will be released so that you discipline them in a way that shows them that they were wrong but also draws them to you. That's true love. That's prophetic. That's prophecy. That's a building up. That's an exhortation. That's a building up of the house of God. I hope I'm, I hope I'm making, making some headway here. The next word in the Greek is comfort. And that sounds a lot like what we just discussed in the Greek of exhortation, a calling up and imploring that provides comfort. But it's a little bit different because it's actually more intimate. It's any address, whether made for the purpose of persuading or of arousing and stimulating or of calming and consoling. And it actually goes a little bit further, and I didn't write this here, but it's of an intimate conversation. So it's really the words that you speak, but then there's an inner voice that's speaking within those words that you say. comfort who is the comforter see that there's always something that's speaking someone who's speaking through what you say that you can't say because I don't know your thoughts Louisa I don't know what you thought while you were riding on the interstate to get here or Highway 90, or whatever route you chose to come. I don't know what you saw. I don't know what he spoke while you were looking off to the right or the left that triggered a thought that made you have a memory about whatever it was that happened five years ago. I don't know any of those details, but he does. So there's always an inner thought. There's always an inner voice. There's always that comfort prophecy 
by design of the Spirit, is edification, exhortation, and comfort. And when Jehovah was riding in that cloud, he brought them to Mount Sinai, and he delivered the law, the Ten Commandments, He prophesied the law. He prophesied through the rain. He delivered to them edification, exhortation, and comfort. See that. And then for 40 years, he prophesied to them their shoes never wore out. He fed them quail and manna. He spoke to them by giving them water from a rock. He put their enemies into their hands. How many miracles did he do from that cloud for 40 years? Think about the level of the spirit of prophecy that was on demonstration for them. Live demonstration. We're so entrenched with this thing. Man, they had a cloud. With a man that was in a cloud. Are you kidding me? How will Jesus return? What? In a what? Say it. In a what? This message was brought to you by Airport Church in Tallahassee, Florida. We pray you were encouraged by the ministry of the Holy Spirit in this message. To find out more information about Airport Church, visit churchattheairport.com.